All right, Characters of Christmas, part four. We've covered so much ground in this series so far, and today we're gonna be tackling the Magi. And you are gonna be blown away, not only at who these people are, but specifically where they're coming from and how that is a key that unlocks so much to this Christmas story. Characters of Christmas, part four, Magi, let's jump in. Hey, welcome to the teaching series. I'm Brad Gray and I'm thrilled you're tuning in. You know, the Bible can be difficult to understand and typically the confusion occurs when we try to read the Bible devoid of its context. Context is everything and yet the vast majority of people have never been taught how to engage the Bible in its original context of history, geography, cultural backgrounds and more. At Walking the Text, we create resources to help people understand the Bible in its original context so that they can learn, love, and live it out every day. This podcast is the audio version of our video-based series that you can find at walkingthetext.com or on our YouTube channel at Walking the Text. As you grow in your understanding of biblical context, you'll read the Bible with greater clarity and confidence than ever before. With that in mind, let's jump into our episode. I like Christmas decorations as much as the next person, but I I just gotta tell you, these are my least favorite decorations in the Nelson family repertoire. Obviously, this is the Fisher Price nativity set that includes the three wise men or the magi. And you can even see by looking at this wise man, uh, magi right here, evidence of why I don't like this as a decoration because they never actually remain with the nativity set under the tree. It's being carried off by the dog or they're turning into trip hazards and ankle breaks around the house. But one of the things that actually kind of drives me a little nuts about this is we assume that there are three magi. Um, We assume that they're actually kings, right? We sing every year, we three kings. But that's actually from the Armenian infancy gospel, which is a fourth century, 14th century tradition. Um, when you look into the scriptures themselves, the scriptures never say that. Instead, what we get is in the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. So they're there's not three of them. We make that assumption because of the three gifts. They're not kings. That is a tradition that's not related to the Bible. And actually, you know, we hear the story of Herod killing all of the babies in and around Bethlehem two years and under. And that actually corresponds to the time frame that we read in the text of when the wise men show up. They're, they're not there at the nativity with the shepherds and the sheep and all that. They come anywhere from a year and a half to two years after the fact. So with the Magi, the wise men, there's a lot that has seeped into Christian tradition that we actually don't find in the text. And I I wanna show you this picture. It's a piece of art by an artist named James Tissot called The Magi Journeying. And this is actually probably a little closer to what things would have actually been like. Because these wise men brought really, really 
precious, expensive gifts. They're the kind of gifts that were intended for a king. And you don't travel across the desert with those kinds of expensive gifts without protection. So these magi probably show up in Jerusalem with an armed guard, with a large caravan. Again, we don't know how many magi there are. There could be more than three, but they probably show up like this. And in fact, you see this reflected in Matthew's gospel in verses two and three of chapter two. They come to Jerusalem asking, where is this child who's been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage or to worship him. And then the text says, when King Herod heard this, he was frightened and all Jerusalem with him. So these magi, they have made a splash. They have made a stir when they show up on the scene. But now, if there's not three of them, and if they're not kings, and if they're not there right at the beginning, who are these guys? And so the word magi actually comes from the Greek word magoi, and this is a word that means magician, astrologer, wise man, or even sorcerer, right? So when you think magi, you need to be thinking advisor, cabinet member, diplomat. Um, Craig Keener is this New Testament theologian that we quote quite often on the teaching series, says that these magi were leading figures in the religious court life of their country of origin, employing a variety of scientific, uh, diplomatic, and religious means to try to understand present and future life. So they're involved in astrology, they're involved with wisdom, they're doing magical incantations. I mean, think to yourself, highly educated, highly respected people. These are not just common magicians. In fact, the word magoi doesn't come to mean like a magician or a common sorcerer until much later after the time of the Magi. But the Magi were well known for a number of things, one of which was astrology, the other was dream interpretation. And I just wanna give you the definition of astrology so that we're meaning the same thing when we use that word, but astrology was the study of the movements and positions of celestial bodies and the interpretation of their influence on human affairs. And actually, astrology originated in the wisdom traditions of the East, of Mesopotamia, which makes sense because the Magi are coming from the East. But it's actually important, I think, and helpful to know that astrology was really frowned upon in the scriptures. So if you look into the Torah, you find in Deuteronomy 18.10, no one shall be found among you who makes a son or daughter pass through the fire or who practices divination, or is a soothsayer, or an auger, somebody who reads the, the flight paths of birds, or a sorcerer. So it is really strange and bizarre that these magi who are gifted at astrology would show up at the birth of the Messiah when this is how the Hebrew scriptures talk about magi. But what's even more interesting is that during Jesus's life, 
Astrology experienced something almost like a golden age. In fact, the Roman Emperor Tiberius, a number of scholars believe that he studied astrology when he was at Rhodes, and that astrology was one of the hottest study topics you could find at the university. And all of this is happening during the life and ministry of Jesus. So you've got that interesting astrology backdrop, but maybe the most important aspect of these magi in the story is where they're coming from. And we're told that they come from the East, but where in the East? One suggestion that people have offered is that they're coming from Arabia, far to the South. And the reason that this is put forward as one of the suggestions for where they're coming from is because of the, the gifts that they bring. So in the first century, the gold supply for the ancient world came from Nubia, which is like modern day Sudan, south of Egypt. But frankincense and myrrh, it's a resin that you get out of these desert shrubs that grow in both Arabia or modern day Yemen and East Africa. So a number of scholars have said, that's where the gifts are coming from. That must be where these magi are coming from. And if that's the case, they had a really, really long journey. But the Texas, they're coming from the east. And if you look at this map, I mean, Arabia is kind of to the east, but it's really more to the south. And this is why a number of scholars actually believe that coming from the east means that they're coming from the kingdom of Parthia, which would be our modern day Iran and Iraq. Now, the Parthians were some of Rome's fiercest enemies. And you can see on this map here that Parthia lays to the east. They're on the eastern frontier of the Roman Empire. And so as the Romans, who are always in the mood to expand their territory, are trying to push east. The Parthians are sometimes wanting to push west, and they, they collide in this area of the land of the scriptures of Judea. And so it becomes this battleground, this buffer zone. And here's the really interesting backdrop to the Christmas story. When King Herod is 25 years old, he's elevated to the position of governor of Galilee. And shortly after Herod steps up to take that position, Julius Caesar is assassinated in Rome and the Roman Republic falls into chaos and a series of civil wars and internal struggles that weaken their strength throughout the empire. And the Parthians see this and they see an opportunity to get one over on the Romans. And so the Parthians actually supported a Jewish rebellion against Herod and his family. And so they give forces, they invade Judea, and they push Herod out. In fact, Herod barely escapes with his life. He almost is killed in the encounter. And he runs back to Rome, where he's presented before the Senate, and the Roman Senate says, wait, there's an opportunity here. We could use somebody like you to be our representative as a buffer between the Roman Empire and Parthia. And so the Roman Senate actually confers on King Herod this title, King of the Jews. Now, what is kind of funny about that is that Herod's not actually Jewish. His father is an Edomite. 
His mother is Nabataean. He's not ethnically Jewish. And in fact, his family is Jewish because they underwent a forced conversion. So he's king of the Jews, but to a Jewish population that is really resentful about the fact that he himself is not Jewish. So Herod comes home from Rome with Roman support, spends the next four years suppressing the revolt, pushing the Parthians out, and then Herod spends the rest of his life trying to solidify and protect his kingdom from usurpers and those who would overthrow him. And in fact, he gets increasingly paranoid, so much so that we know he murders three of his own sons that he suspects of trying to take his throne and has his wife, Miriam, strangled. And it drove Herod crazy. So Herod has history with the Parthians And then we're told in Matthew 2 that Magi from the east, i.e. Parthia, show up in Jerusalem and they want to know, where is this child who has been born king of the Jews? Where's the real Jewish king? And you can just imagine that this sends Herod into a tailspin. I mean, he plays it cool, but the text says, He's frightened, and for good reason. This isn't the first time. Now, maybe one of the more important aspects of the story is not just that the Magi come from the East because of the political background, but also it's that they come from the East spiritually. Because when you look into the Hebrew scriptures, East as a direction is actually symbolic of disobedience and exile. So when you dig into Genesis, you see this pattern, this repetition that when Adam and Eve rebel in the garden against God, they're expelled, they're pushed out of the garden to the east. When their son Cain murders his brother Abel, God sends him to the east where he settles in the land of Nod. You get a little further in the story and there's a group of people who build the Tower of Babel as they're migrating eastward. You see this again with Abraham and his nephew Lot. They come to a a place where they're trying to decide which way do you wanna go, which way do I wanna go. And the text says that Lot goes to the east in the direction of Sodom and Gomorrah. Right? And then we have, of course, this great exile that the Jewish people experience in 586 where the Babylonians crush Jerusalem and send these Judean captives to the east. So over and over again, east symbolizes disobedience and exile and this movement away from God. But the Magi are coming West. And if East symbolizes disobedience and exile, then West symbolizes return and communion. They are coming home. But this should raise a curiosity for us. How is it that Gentile astrologers know to be watching the stars looking for a Jewish king? 
And here's the really interesting part about them coming from the East. There is still a sizable Jewish population who never came home from the exile, who are still living in Parthia, in Babylon. And we can tell the Magi, when they come to Jerusalem, they ask this question, where's the child who's been born king of the Jews? For we observed, and they use this very peculiar language, his star at its rising. And the reason that that's peculiar is that that's a reference to a prophecy from the book of Numbers, uh, chapter 24, verse 7, from the prophet Balaam, who says, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. Balaam foresaw a Jewish king who would be the ruler of the nations. And somehow the Magi are familiar with this story. And we think that what has happened is that the Jewish exiles in Babylon are telling their story to people, telling their story about this coming king. In fact, uh, Dr. James Martin says this, Daniel or others among the exile community may have seized the opportunity to be a light to the Gentiles during the exile, taught the Magi the Bible so that when the star appeared, some among the Magi recognized it for what it was and followed the star as a sort of first fruit of the harvest of God among the Gentiles. So the Magi aren't just this political threat to Herod. The Magi are actually evidence that in this baby, God's great reversal is underway. And God has revealed this, as we saw in the previous episode, not just to the lowliest of Jewish shepherds, but now God is revealing this to the wealthiest, the wisest of the Gentiles. And that's it, that's the Magi. And I don't know where you're at this Christmas, where you find yourself, whether you feel near, whether you feel far, whether by choices that you have made or choices that you had no control over. One of the things that is so inspiring about the Magi and the way that they show up in this Christmas story is that this story is for everyone. God is in the business of bringing all of his children home to himself. May that be true in your life this Christmas. May that be true in mine. And as we say, always and ever, may you walk out the text well in your life.